and welcome to another edition of Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information, insight, and experiences for people who are planning for, about to, or already have retired. I'm John McComb, recently retired after a 50-year broadcast career, the past 36 years at CKNW Radio in Vancouver. I'm sitting down with my co-host, Lori Pinkowski every other Friday to help answer the many questions that come up as you prepare to relax and devote some time to you and your new life. Lori is the founder of Pinkowski Wealth Management and is a Senior Vice President and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Genuity. Lori, it's always great to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing well, John. It's always great to talk to you. Now, you have some really exciting news this week. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with the markets particularly, but it has to do with your new professional home. Tell us all about it. That's the case. We moved from Raymond James to Canaccord Genuity, and we're super excited about it. Really took months to do our due diligence and so on, but we're super excited because their platform has so much to offer for our clients and what we do for them every single day, um, what they have in terms of technology, uh, their improved research. They have a deal with Morgan Stanley in terms of getting that research, and that's some of the best in the industry. It just allows us to really do well for clients. And what we're always looking at doing is, you know, improving returns, improving service any which way we can. And if that took moving firms, uh, then I was happy to do so. And so it's uh, basically back to business as usual and just improved, as I was saying. Now, when you talk about platforms, you mean computer trading platforms. What we're looking at always is the portfolio management trading system. And where we look at doing what we do, we need to just have it very efficient because it's really important as markets move quickly that it's very organized in terms of a trading platform. And for us, we are looking for improvement there. And what we saw uh, was that Canaccord just has one of the best in the industry right now. And, you know, I'm not the only person that thought that. 46 teams or so have gone there before me, large teams, again, reviewing their platform and understanding that they're doing what it takes right now. They're a leader in the industry in terms of wealth management, as well as being an independent firm. And independence has always mean so much to me and for clients. And that's why I even started my career at Canaccord uh, back in the year 2000. And so I was there for nine years and then at uh, Raymond James for 11 years. And now I've gone back home to Canaccord and we're super excited about it. Even the emails we're getting in terms of research. I mean, we're just bouncing off the walls with excitement, <laughs> knowing what we're able to create at the firm. And so uh, our clients are, are happy with the move and uh, we're moving forwards and uh, upwards. And just one uh, question about when you say independence and you've always wanted to be independent, talk about that a bit, because that gives you the ability to, you don't have to sell somebody's product. You are truly independent in where you decide to place people's money as a portfolio manager. Exactly. Independence is key. So I've never wanted to or have worked at a bank-owned firm for various reasons. We want to be able to offer clients objective advice, right? And and the ability to deal with other professionals in the industry when you think of trustees or you think of financial planners, that sort of thing. We want to be able to offer those types of professionals the best of the best, whether they're in the firm or not. And so to me, that's what independence means. It allows us to provide advice to our clients that is truly independent. 
All right, let's uh, move along and talk about what's been happening on the markets. Uh, just give us a general update. How have they been doing? Well, markets have been fairly flat after a real strong kind of month. And we're looking at obviously an increase in cases in the U.S. But over the last week, we've seen things kind of ease off a bit, which is uh, to be expected. I mean, there was further lockdowns and so on, as you know, in California and other areas, Florida. But there's still risk to the market. This rebound can't go on forever. We're going to see a correction at some point, of course. And I believe leading into fall and the U.S. election, there's a lot of uncertainty there. And so, in my opinion, we're probably going to see some volatility. So you just have to be prepared to take some profits at some point. When you start seeing these charts spike the way that they have, the economy is not back to where it was back in January. So you just have to be cognizant of that. And as a portfolio manager, we're always looking at risk management. And we want to make sure that we're protecting clients should we see another correction. I don't believe that we will see something as we did in March. I get that question quite often. You know, what about a second surge? What about a second crash? My belief is, is that March was it. That was the low. Uh, we didn't understand the virus to the extent that we do today. We did not understand that the government would provide support and stimulus as much as they have, as well as we didn't understand what a lockdown meant back then. So now we're more familiar with what's happening. And even though we don't have a vaccine at this point, I mean, there's uh, obviously a lot of trials going on and hopefully they do find a vaccine within the next, you know, six to 12 months. But basically, we're going to have to live with the virus at this point. And when you look at the economy, there's certain areas that are still doing well and there's certain areas that are not. And so as a portfolio manager, we're obviously looking at the sectors that are thriving in this environment or surviving the environment, opposed to trying to bottom pick stocks in, you know, leisure and travel. You're not going to see me buying Delta Airlines anytime soon <laughs> or, or, or any of the cruise lines, even though I'm sure there's money to be made there at some point. We tend to be more cautious for our clients as we're dealing with retirement money, obviously. And uh, so we're looking for companies that are increasing earnings during this time and have a plan in place just in case we do experience another increased lockdown, I should say. We're just a little over three months away from the U.S. election. And is there anything in particular that you do to prepare a portfolio for the U.S. election? Do the markets uh, respond in certain ways when there's a presidential election in the States? Yeah, definitely. Markets get a little volatile, can have a little bit of a correction before the election. My experience has been once the election passes and we know who's in, markets kind of return back to normal. Uh, you know, we've had good and bad economies under both parties. In this case, of course, people are a little worried, I guess, in terms of markets with the previous tax cuts that were done and so on. Would they be reinstated? You have to watch out for the sectors like pipelines can be affected depending on who wins pharmaceutical companies because of drug prices. So what we tend to do is just avoid those sectors anyway, leading up to an election, just because you don't know what the outcome was. I mean, four years ago, we all thought that the outcome would be different. And of course, Trump was elected. So, you know, that he's down in the polls right now. Those are the polls. I don't know that we can trust what they say. And we'll be looking forward to see what happens in November. But again, as a portfolio manager, what we're doing what we will be doing is looking at raising some cash, keeping some powder dry as we head into the election. Now, as a retired guy, do I need to be worried about my portfolio in the next uh, four or five months going forward? No, John, because you have me. You don't need to be worried at all. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I set you up for that one, didn't I? <laughs> you really did.
Um, no, but in terms of being worried, I do get this question often. People get nervous just because when they saw markets come down in March and uh, COVID is just creating a level of anxiety that we've never experienced before, right? It's not just markets, it's health now. And especially for the age group that I deal with, you know, 60 to, to 90. And so in terms of should you be worried about the markets or your portfolio, I would say no. After every bear market comes a bull market. Just keep that in mind. And usually a bull market starts when you least expect it. Usually the news is still all negative around you. And so, you know, one thing that we have to keep a close eye on, of course, is unemployment numbers. We're still around 10, 11%. We need to see that come down over the next six to 12 months. But the market is very forward looking, right? And earnings right now are beating expectations by, I think, 80% of companies have beat expectations and albeit lower expectations. But it just goes to show you that analysts were, you know, thinking the worst of the worst at, at one point. And so what we're seeing is that even though there's companies that, of course, have terrible earnings at this point, when I'm talking about airlines and, you know, hotels and all these sorts of things, and some consumer discretionary type stocks, there's a whole nother area that's uh, doing really well. So again, just make sure that your portfolio manager, financial advisor is focusing on those areas that are doing well, because if they don't, your portfolio is not going to do well in this environment. Well, it leads into the next question about asset allocation and what's the right mix for retirement portfolio. So walk us through that a bit. How do you create a portfolio for retired clients? Well, when we first meet with a client, like an initial meeting, we always talk about them. For that hour that it takes, I rarely am talking about myself or the firm or any of that. I want to get to know them and, and what they actually need. You know, do they need income? How do they deal with market volatility? And this is, you know, where we talk about risk tolerance. I'm not one to say, how do you feel about risk? Because most people go, well, I don't want any risk. And and so that's a, a normal answer, I would say. I'll use the sentence or the question, were you able to sleep at night during March, for instance, or during the financial crisis? It kind of helps people visualize and think about how did they feel during that time? And then, of course, we evaluate markets and see where we're at in terms of the market cycle. And we also need to understand how much income they need and so on. And that will help us create the initial plan for them so that they could see it on paper. This is what their portfolio will look like. So break it down for us in terms of stocks and bonds, because some people, of course, like the idea of bonds. Others, they don't want to get anywhere near them. It's true. And in terms of retirees, I think there's some idea that when you retire or as you age, you have to own more bonds. In my opinion, I look at the investor personality. Everybody is different. And so you can't paint everybody by the same brush. So that's why we have those conversations. And I should say ongoing conversations. It's not just the initial meeting. When a client comes on board, of course, we're doing portfolio reviews and talking to clients and seeing how are they feeling during various times of the market cycle. And with that being said, how much in, uh, we allocate to stocks versus bonds, that will be determined from those conversations as well as where we are in the markets. And so right now, I would say in terms of bonds versus stocks, one, as I was mentioning before, you got to be in the right stocks, the right areas. But I also think bonds are a decent place to be. And, and we use bond funds for that, even though we invest in individual stocks for clients. And the reason we use bond funds is that bigger is better in terms of bond managers. And they just simply have the size to go around the world and invest in various forms of fixed income. 
And with that being said, what we've been able to see in the bond managers that uh, we've allocated funds to is, you know, they're up anywhere between four and six percent this year already. So going forward, I feel the the bond market is okay. I think that we have a lot of backing from the government. They stepped in back in March to provide that support in the bond market. So over the next six to 12 months, in my opinion, I think that some high quality corporate bonds could be in the 5% range. Again, this is never guaranteed. The bond market is not like a GIC. So you have to have that conversation with your financial advisor. There is risk to the bond market, but generally speaking, there's not the same type of risk as the stock market. But again, it depends on what stocks you're in. You mentioned GICs. What about investing in them? Yeah, the rates are so low. And I know that there's committed GIC investors and they're always looking for the best rate out there and they shop the market and go from bank to bank to credit union. But the fact of the matter is, whether it's 1%, whether it's 0.5%, whatever the uh, the rate is that they're offering you, it's still not a good long-term investment strategy, especially when inflation is higher than the interest that you're receiving. So it's a net loss. And so when I'm looking at GICs, I mean, they're good for short-term investors that need the money to, say, buy a piece of real estate in six months from now or something like that. But in terms of just holding on to GICs as a long-term plan, we never suggest that. And also for us, like if we're moving cash to the sidelines for any length of time due to risk in the market, we may use a cashable GIC, but more often we're using a kind of short-term money market and things like that. So GICs uh, as an investment uh, is not the recommendation I would have at this time either. What about dividend stocks? Uh, We hear a lot about that. Uh, Are they always a good investment? No, they're not. And as a person who deals with so many retirees, dividends come up a lot. And dividends are great as long as the underlying company is one that you want to be invested in. When you look at dividend paying stock, say that pays five or six or 7%, historically, that would be extremely high. So maybe something is wrong with the company. So you may want to look further. So don't just buy or invest in companies that pay high dividends. Don't do that blindly is my recommendation. The other thing is like um, some of the safer types of sectors like banks, they pay dividends and people like that. But at this point, to me, uh, the banking sector is not one to be in. They've had a terrible performance this year across the board. They're making higher provisions for loan losses. In my belief, they're going to be holding the bag in terms of this economic impact and what's happened with COVID. So we've stepped away from the banks. There will be another time to invest in them when the economy gets better. But at this point, we've sidestepped that. And again, they do pay dividends. I would say you have to look at good companies and good sectors. Look for a dividend, but don't just depend on the dividend for your return. What about owning real estate or rental properties? Real estate as an investment at this point is probably, in my opinion, not a great idea. Um, In Vancouver, sales are obviously uh, moving again. And so that is positive. But in terms of prices, you know, even if you buy a place today, is it going to increase over the next two years? I mean, I don't know that that's the case. I still think that prices are very high here in Vancouver. And I just wonder who can afford some of these homes or condos or whatever, especially if your job or business is kind of in uncertain circumstances. I also know that it's very difficult to get lending from a bank for anything that's above kind of 1.5, 2 million. And again, that's on the higher range, but we're in Vancouver, so it's actually not that high. You know what I mean? They've gotten very strict on their lending practices, so you have to put large down payments down. So that also affects the real estate market. 
So even though we see things moving as an investment, it's not my favorite place to invest money right now. In terms of rental income, so a lot of retirees have rental properties, they rent out, they collect the income, and that's part of their own income. And what we just saw now, I mean, you saw with COVID, I mean, all of a sudden they are allowing tenants not to pay rent or, you know, they couldn't be evicted, I guess I should say. And and that was a problem for some retirees that had these rental units. And of course, that's changing here in September, but that is a little bit stressful for some people, let's say. And also, if you want to get out of your properties, it's it's a bit illiquid sometimes. If you want to sell, you can sell. And lastly, the income that you get from a rental unit is highly taxed, right? It's uh, the worst form of tax you can have. So if you take strata fees into account, maintenance fees, as well as the tax situation, in my opinion, there are better places to look at investing right now. Well, let's talk about asset allocation. When you're trying to determine the risk level in a portfolio, asset allocation does play a huge role. Yeah, it does. And so depending on where we are in the markets, that will also determine the percentage of stocks versus bonds that we have for a client. Of course, if they're retired and if they need income, as we were discussing, What I would say is that at this time, most clients will have somewhere between 60, 65% in equities and the rest in fixed income bonds or cash. And that may be higher for some. Some people may have, you know, 40%, 50% in fixed income at this time, uh, just because generally they worry more about life and markets. And so for that reason, we would have a higher allocation. But I wouldn't look at those kind of rules of thumb out there, like 100 minus your age. That's (laughs) often brought up to my attention. I go, no, you know, you can't follow that. Again, it's that discussion you have with people. It's the experience and the knowledge that we have in markets in creating portfolios, especially for retirees, that we understand the asset allocation where you should be. So this is something that we provide our recommendation to our clients and say, this is where I think you should be. And then uh, we create the portfolio based on that. Do you have examples of people who say a person in their 80s who just doesn't want anything to do with bonds and kind of blows that whole theory uh 100 minus your age right out of the water. That's very true. I have a client close to his 90s who never wanted to own a bond and and he worked with me for uh, 17 years. And so we even had to get a letter signed that he didn't want to own any fixed income or bonds because he believed in the stock market. And his returns were so good over those 17 years. I think he averaged over 9% because he never, yeah, he never worried and he didn't own any bonds. And he trusted us to manage the portfolio as we did. So again, everyone's different. Not everybody's searching for 8-9% returns. Some people are searching for 5-6% returns. So again, that's why that conversation is so important for us to have and not just the initial, like I said, ongoing conversations because people change over the years too. And certain situations will cause more anxiety than others. And everybody's an individual and they have to be treated as such. And therefore, we manage around that. So if somebody holds 70% stocks, 30% bonds, when the market momentum is positive, but when risk levels rise, that's when you have to be there to step in and change things up and protect that money. Well, exactly. So asset allocation, how much you have in stocks versus bonds is really important. But because we're active managers and we're going to move to cash anyway, when there's heightened risk levels in the market, for example, in March and our portfolio is the ones we manage. 
we were up to 50-55% cash and fixed income during that time. And we did that because we wanted to protect the portfolios. Of course, then we saw the market's bottom. We saw the government step in, provide stimulus, back the bond market, the treasury market. And from there, we reinvested. And that's why, again, we have as I was saying, 60, 65% in equities at this time. So it's really important to have a focus on asset allocation. And especially if your financial advisors in this strategy buy and hold, right? Where they just buy you a basket of stocks or investments or funds and don't make many changes, depending on what's going on out there in life, asset allocation is of utmost importance to you. For us, we're looking at asset allocation in order to benefit the clients as well as protect them in downturns. So we're, again, making decisions on behalf of our clients so we can act very quickly. We can raise cash in minutes versus, say, a financial advisor who has to call you on every trade. I mean, they may be calling 100 people trying to get them out of the market where we've already done it. Let's talk about the location of your stocks and bonds in terms of taxes. What do people have to remember in that regard? Well, when you're looking at bonds, again, their interest is taxed at the highest rate. It's almost like employment income when you look at it that way. So you want to try and keep your bond allocations, if at all possible, in your registered accounts. So in your RSP, in your RIF, possibly in your TFSA, but that kind of requires more of a conversation. And you want to keep your stocks that have capital gains or capital losses, possibly your dividends outside in your non-registered accounts. So that would mean like joint accounts corporate accounts. And I say if possible, because sometimes it just doesn't work. Some people may have very small registered accounts where you can't do that. Or somebody may have uh, most of their assets in their registered portfolio. So of course, you're going to have your mix of stocks and bonds in the accounts that they have. But we are always taking it one step further, trying to minimize taxes for people. Because one thing I know in life, nobody loves taxes. So so if we can minimize that by just structuring the portfolio so that your bonds or your interest on your bonds are protected from tax, that we're going to try and do that any which way we can. And talk about uh, the benefits for investors because people think, well, yeah, I want the best return on everything. But is that always the best way to go or is it possible? No, I think what's important, especially when you're looking at your accounts, maybe, and some may have more in stocks, some may have some more in bonds. The best way to look at your portfolio is overall. Try not to compartmentalize is what we call it in our industry. So you're looking at your RSP and you're going, okay, well, that did better than this account over here, my joint account. Uh, Usually a financial advisor is trying to diversify your portfolio if they're doing their job right. And so that you have different types of investments in various accounts for whatever reason, including the tax reason, as I was talking about. So there's times where one portfolio will do better than the other. And that's actually what you want, because that actually means that you have true diversification in your portfolio. So when evaluating returns, look at the portfolio overall is my recommendation and try not to focus on each portfolio individually because they will all perform differently and some will do better in certain times and some may not. But overall, that's the diversification that you have and you want that in your portfolio long term. All right, uh, let's wrap up this edition of Ready, Set, Retire as we do with all of our programs and that is with a, a quote that we can ponder until we speak again. This is kind of a funny quote, but I thought it was good. The best time to start thinking about your retirement is before your boss does. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lori. 
Thanks, as always. Uh, so enjoyable speaking to you, John. I uh, look forward to working with you at the new firm, Canaccord Genuity. If you want more information or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management. 604-695-LORI. 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Ready, Set, Retire.